The following interview is part one of a two-part series with Sophie Zhang, Facebook whistleblower. This interview took place in August 2021. With your host, Chris Glandon, serving cybersecurity straight up with no chaser. Let's hit the bar and grab a drink. Tony, my man. Oh, hey, Chris. Hey, bro, give me one second. I'm updating my online status. At barcode tonight, HMU FBO. Drink emoji, drink emoji, drink emoji. Send. Boom. That's going to go viral, bro. Yeah, you know, that's how I roll. Well, listen, man, I'm on a strict schedule tonight. Very exclusive guest just walked into the bar, so I'm in a mad rush. Yo, how quick can you pour up a drink for me? So fast, you won't even remember me pouring it. Wait, what'd you say? So fast, you won't even remember me pouring it. Let me get you a mind eraser. We're going to put a little coffee liqueur in the bottom. Then I'm going to slowly layer some vodka on top. And then the very top, it hits you with a little bit of club soda. But you have to shoot it through a straw. There you go, bro. Damn, what's that called again? I forgot. We call it the Mind Eraser. I like it, man. Well, listen, I'm signing off. Going to go chat with my friend there at the end of the bar. All right, Chris. Well, hopefully we'll see you next round. All right, man. Well, listen, what'd you call that drink again? here with Sophie Zhang. For those who have not heard Sophie's story, she's a former data scientist that worked for Facebook. And between 2018 to 2020, while she was investigating fake engagements, she actually uncovered abusive political manipulation and opposition harassment networks. We are fortunate enough to have her join us at the bar today to talk us through her experience and share her insights with us. So Sophie, welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to speak to speak with you and your listeners. I'm also here with my special co-host, Alex Zabrowski, who's going to be riding shotgun with me on this one. Alex, what's up, man? Hey, Chris. Glad to be here. I'm really excited for this conversation um, because, as you know, we've, and we've talked about before, I really love when cybersecurity intersects with uh, politics and things that can affect everyday people. And I'm just really glad to be here to be able to walk through it with you and, uh, and Sophie today. Definitely looking forward to it. Awesome. So to properly set the tone of this conversation, I want to first upfront draw the dividing line between misinformation and disinformation slash inauthentic activity. Sophie, would you mind defining those two terms for us? Because it's common to see those two terms use synonymously, especially when you see it in the media. And for sake of clarification, 
with our conversation today, I think we need to understand the clear delineation there. Absolutely. Thank you very much for asking because it's important to know precisely what we're talking about. And so, and so this is something that's commonly confused by people. So the word misinformation refer, re, refers literally to when someone says something that is not true. It doesn't matter whether, whether, who that person is. It it's only focuses on what they're saying. If I say the moon is made out of rock, that is not misinformation. If I say the moon is made out of cheese, that is misinformation. I'm using ridiculous examples so that hopefully everyone can re- recognize that the moon is not actually made out of cheese. And so, and so it doesn't matter who's saying this. You could be a, a lunar geologist. Maybe you're a, a five-year-old kid at a keyboard. Maybe you're a dog pretending to be a person on the internet. Maybe you're a prime minister. Maybe you're a fake account. No matter who you are, it doesn't matter who it doesn't matter who you are because it matters what you're saying and whether it's true or not. So that's misinformation. It's a function of only what the what is being said, not who is saying it. So the word disinformation, unfortunately, is a new buzzword. So it means all sorts of different things to different people and is used widely <laughs> to refer to a lot of different things. The word disinformation literally means the intentional spread of misinformation to convey specific purposes or etc often 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 by often by people who are seeking to manipulate or etc i mean so this has a this has a long history this has a long history like for like for instance during the second world war the, the the british set up a fake radio station for fake german dissidents <laughs> This was not an actual, this was not, a, the person pretended to be a patriotic conservative German officer who opposed Hitler from the right. And this was not an actual person broadcasting out of Germany. It was based in London. But, and, so any, and, and so anyways, the word disinformation today is used increasingly to refer to what's called inauthentic activity. And the, like when Facebook talks about their their coordinated inauthentic behavior takedowns, this is commonly this is commonly called disinformation takedowns. But the takedowns are for people being fake and being used in the fake accounts to spread messages. And so and so for for inauthentic activity, it doesn't matter what you're saying; it matters who you are. I can if I set up a hundred fake accounts that tell everyone. The moon is made out of rock. The, the, the COVID vaccine works. The Earth is round. It is not. It does not matter that these are reasonably factual statements. It does not matter that there is nothing wrong with saying this. It. What matters is that I'm using fake accounts to say it. If I set up ten thousand fake accounts to tell the world that cats are adorable, cats are cute, cats are great, I mean. As a completely unbiased person, this is a factual statement. <laughs> I mean, the cats are definitely cute. I don't know why anyone dis- would disagree with that, but I am still using fake accounts to do it, and Facebook would take it down, presu- hopefully, presumably, although it may not be as much of a priority as everything else. And then after it takes it down, I might yell, Facebook is censoring cute cats. Facebook is oppressing cat lovers. Facebook is favoring dog lovers. But the reality of the situation is the takedown had nothing to do with what I was saying. It had only had to do with what the, the methods I was using to say it. 
And so these are essentially orthogonal different types of abuse because something because you can use fake accounts to spread misinformation. You can also use real real account. There can also be real authentic people who spread misinformation because they genuinely believe it or because of other reasons. And you can also use fake accounts to spread messages that fall in within the norms of political speech and are not misinformation. Like all of these are possibilities, and people tend to fix people tend to fixate on the intersection. There is a stereotype that fake accounts are used to spread misinformation. Like most stereotypes, this is not very based in reality, in my experience. And most, I mean, it's an attractive stereotype for many people. We would like to believe that there aren't real people doing this, that that, that Russia, rather than our fellow citizens, are, are is responsible to, for, for the spread of misinformation, especially vaccine misinformation, especially misinformation regarding the presidential election. But the reality of the situation is that, in my experience, most most misinformation is spread by real people. The misinformation is coming from within the house. And I hope this makes sense. I, I think it's important to clear this up at the, at the start. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really important point to make because people try to draw a parallel between people being real and the information being real. And then, the, you know, the people being fake and the information being fake. And I, I don't think that's necessarily a parallel that should be drawn because it can be any flavor, you know, within within those two different things. Right. Or different conditions, I should say. Yes, absolutely. And and then they and they and there's and they can sound similar, but they're quite different in terms of people's responses, in terms of the, the context and the methods involved, because, of course, the question of what to do with misinformation is controversial in the present day and age. Because many people are like, you shouldn't censor speech. You should allow people to express their opinions and let the, and the community decide. And so that, and at the same time, it is not too difficult for an for a dedicate for someone who is dedicated to being informed to figure out whether something is misinformation or not. If someone posts a posts a picture, some, some, uh, some makes a claim. It is. It is. I mean, it is possible for people outside Facebook to uh, to 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 look at the information and and decide this is misinformation. This is not misinformation. On the other hand, with inauthentic accounts. I've occasionally people seen people defending inauthentic accounts on the grounds that we shouldn't restrict the, the, the dictatorship's freedom of speech to create fake accounts to oppress their own citizenry, but that is very rare. Like, it's like defending spam. It's like defending spam messages and saying that email characters shouldn't send messages from Nigerian princes into the spam folder. Like, and these are very separate, and and so and so. This is generally much less controversial once people understand what is going on. Like some, very few people disagree with the idea that once X Y Z government sets up thousands of fake accounts to achieve some propaganda go that that social media platforms should not make an exception for that government and should take down the accounts for being fake. But that said, it is difficult. It, it is very difficult for people outside the company to determine whether the accounts are fake or not, and 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 so and and so that's what sort of flipped from misinformation. 
And the reason for that, this is going to sound very obvious as soon as I say it, but it's an important point. The purpose of a fake account is to look real and to not be recognized as being fake. If you go out and start looking around you for CIA agents, you will not find any CIA agents. Or if you do find any, you will find the CIA agents that frankly should have studied better at the disguise and and fitting in classes. Instead, you'll find instead you'll find real people who look really weird because there are many more real people who look who have unusual behavior than CIA agents. Or you'll find people who are dressed up to go to costume parties who are like. Am I a CIA agent? Oh no, I shouldn't have said that. I'm definitely not a CIA agent, <laughs> and I and I and I'm trying to essentially make you think you're a CIA agent. And there's something quite and 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 there's something quite similar with this for fake for fake accounts be for the use of fake accounts to spread to, to, to especially especially when it comes to foreign interference especially when it comes to political matters because because when the general public and even when skilled researchers go look for fake accounts often they what they find aren't fake, aren't fake accounts they find people who are real but look unusual what they find essentially the people who are flunked out of the disguise class who are fake but are extremely stupid at it and or they, or they find people who are trying to pretend to be fake because it's funny this this may this may sound like an edge case but it's it's ha- it's happened both in the both in britain and in the united states sadly it would be funny if it weren't so sad so that's a really interesting point to me the parallel that i that i would like to draw is is the activity online versus the activity in, call it, in the real world, right? If, if anyone was out there impersonating a CIA agent or impersonating someone else from, from a human level in the real world, that would be considered fraud, right? I mean, that's straight, straight fraud, right? You, or identity theft or however you want to call it, right? You, when you're impersonating somebody in real life, um, you know, you're, you're fraudulently taking their ide- identity and you're masquerading as them, you know, that all of that activity is completely illegal in real life, right? If I'm pretending to be a CIA agent and I'm walking around telling people I'm a CIA agent um, and I'm showing a fake badge, you know, with a fake picture, that's that's completely fraudulent, right? Um, from from that side of things. Yes, but there are types of pretending to be fake to be different people in real life that aren't fr- that aren't fraudulent. Like you can't steal the identity of someone who doesn't exist. Like there have been people who create who created new identities without going through the legal pathways, often oftentimes to escape the law, but oftentimes just because for for their personal reasons. Like the like you can't pretend to be a CIA agent because there are specific laws around it <laughs> against pretending to be authority figures. Like there are people, for instance, who also pretend to be to be to be veterans uh, who, who served in the army military, and some areas have have legislation against that. I think it's called Stone and Vander legislation. And there are people who go on the internet and pretend I have cancer. Here's my sob story and give me donations. And some and I think some areas also have legislation against that. But there's nothing going on the, that prevents. But other than specific legislation, there's nothing that prevents you from 
going on the internet to pretend to be someone who you, or in the real world to pretend to be someone who you aren't. And I mean, people do this all the time. Like, uh, like you didn't, like maybe, maybe you went to the University of, of Colorado, but instead you say I went to Harvard University. And unless the employee checks that, nothing's going to happen. And even if they check it and say you did not go to Harvard University, the most that's going to happen is you being fired. I don't think it's a crime to pretend to go to Harvard when you didn't. But but when we're talking and but but when we're talking about this, the the more the more the more the more useful comparison I would make to the type of fake accounts. It's rather that I mean, you are, these aren't usually one person trying to pretend to be someone else. This is one person trying to pretend to be hundreds of people at the same time, and that's very different. What I would compare it to personally was that in the old Eastern Bloc, in the Warsaw Pact, many communist dictatorships would bus, would bus in people to crowds to, to show that they supported them. They, whenever they gave a speech, they would, bus, they, they would bus in their strongest supporters, they would find random people on the streets, they would give them placards supporting them. And they would pull and to make to manage to make a giant crowd because if you're a dictator and you're giving a speech to an empty plaza, you're an embarrassment. And but the difference there is that to get a crowd of a hundred thousand people, you need to have a hundred thousand actual people. There is no way for a crowd of one thousand to pretend to be a crowd of one hundred thousand that I am aware of. The very idea sounds ludicrous, but on the internet, that's very easy and doable. Like the Romanian revolution, the, the pivotal moment of the Romanian revolution when Nicolae Ceausescu fell in Romania, what, what happened when there was a small uprising in Timosorara, and then he decided to give a speech in Bucharest to show off his power. He, he got 100,000 people into the central plaza of Bucharest. He, he, he gave them signs and placards, and he started giving this speech. And for the first time, he was booed to his face, and the crowd turned on him, and suddenly there was a revolution in the streets of Bucharest. The next day, the army turned on him, and within half a week, he was given a show trial and executed. Because the thing about 100,000 people is that it's hard to control large numbers of people. And like you, like you, cannot, con- you cannot control everyone simultaneously. Like there, there are limits to how many people you can bribe, you can threaten, you can suborn. And uh, like, like he he had to put in a hundred thousand people, many of whom did not agree, did some of whom did not agree with him, and some of whom did not support him as strongly as he they, he he thought they did. But in Azerbaijan, the Azeri government maintain, maintains armies of paid trolls, and I don't think Yohamadiyev's paid trolls will ever turn on him, if nothing else, because they would be out of a job if he fell. That makes complete sense. And and one question I was going to ask you from from that side of things, too, is, is it up to, you know, and, and this is where, uh, you know, my understanding gets a little bit fuzzy. Is it up to Facebook to police themselves um, or is it up to the local jurisdictions and the laws that exist in those locales, you know, to do the policing or is it a combination of both? Because as you mentioned, you know, the communist dictatorships obviously will have different rules than, you know, say a democracy, right? When it comes to um, disingenuous things like, like this. Yeah. So there are two separate elements to the question. First, what is the actual legal state of this? And second, what is the ideal state of this? For the actual legal state of this, I mean, 
there is no law saying saying that facebook has to, has to, has to enforce its it has to enforce its rules equally can't decide its low role uh, uh, taking down a politician or a dictatorship because it's more important or they're worried about political effects or whatever like no one ever thought about this there's no law about it for the same reason that there isn't a law against other very specific things like but so talking about the idea of state of matters I think the instinct of every government would be for, would would be for some level of national national autonomy, and which sounds so well and good until you realize that in many cases it's the national governments that are abusing the platforms on vast scales to mislead their own citizenry. Like the like like I caught the Honduran government red-handed. The Honduran government the. The government of Honduras is not going to make laws saying that their president cannot they cannot set up hundreds thousands of fake assets on Facebook to mislead the Honduran people on vast scales. I caught the government of Azerbaijan red-handed. The ruining political parties, specifically Azerbaijan, is officially a democracy, but in practice, it's a one-party dictatorship. And the ruling political party, it's the YAP, which is the equivalent of the CCP in the People's Republic of China, for an analogy. And and like the ruling, the one-party dictatorship of, of Azerbaijan is not going to create a law saying that the ruling political party can't pay thousands of people to pretend to be to be to, be, to pretend to be vast amounts of real zaris to harass the opposition. I mean, of course, you're not going to do that. And so, and 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 so, like like Facebook is ultimately it's it's ultimately a company that's based in that's based in the United the United States that has relative that has officially liberal democratic values, and I don't think anyone and I think very few people would would want Facebook to give special leeway to dictate to foreign dictatorships. That seems absurd to me speaking as an Amer- as an American, as someone who believes deeply in democracy and liberty and freedom and justice. But then there's a but but there's but but then there's a question of how 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 does this actually get done? What happens in practice right now? What should happen? And ultimately I think it's important to remember that for all the nice language, Facebook is the company. Its goal is to make money, not to save the world. And to the extent it cares about this, it's because it gets attention, because it might impact its ability to make money, because the people who work at Facebook are human and they have to sleep at the end of the night. And all of these are limited resources. Like, we don't expect Philip Morris Tobacco to make cancer-free cigarettes. When, when cigarette users get cancer, we don't expect the cigarette companies to cover their cancer treatments. The very idea seems almost absurd. Like, we, we, we have certain expectations of cigarette companies, and this is definitely, we, we expect so little of them. That this seems, that's just the idea that they might step up to cover cancer treatments makes me want to laugh. Like Bank of America, we don't expect Bank of America to keep the world financial system from crashing. And so this is something understood in economics. It's called an externality problem because in in each of these cases, the costs that are that, that are that are borne they aren't borne by the comf- company themselves. They're borne by others that are outside of the company. Like for Facebook, when they when when governments manipulate Facebook on vast scales to manipulate their own citizenry. The main costs of this aren't borne by Facebook. 
They're born by the society of that country. They're born by the citizenry. They're born by they, they're born by a democracy and 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 the civic health of that nation. And so and so and. And so, in, this is a, and so when it comes to externality problems, a libertarian would say that individual people should make their own educated decisions and maybe come together to boycott and pressure the company. A more mainstream economist would say this is a time for the government to step in and regulate. Like many countries, it tax cigarettes, require cigarettes to say this product will give you cancer on this label. Most countries have national banks, federal reserves that keep the financial system from crashing because they cannot trust the actual, the, the privately owned banks to do so. But there's another problem with this for Facebook, and that's one that I was getting to earlier. And 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 that is the information asymmetry. People outside Facebook do not know as much as people inside the company. <laughs> And, and this, and I was getting to this earlier with my talk about the point of fake activity to not be seen, because for other problems at Facebook, like for instance misinformation, the amount of attention that the press gives to a subject is essentially what cause what what motivates Facebook to act, and that is actually a reasonable proxy to how bad it actually is, because if a politician says the moon is made out of cheese and everyone laughs at him and no one believes him. That's no one will care that much, and the press won't care that much, and it's not actually that bad. But if a lot of politicians start to make, saying the moon is made out of cheese, and suddenly there becomes a eat the moon movement that, that that starts up, and hundreds of thousands of people believe this, and suddenly a giant crowd storms Cape Canaveral, killing dozens to hijack a rocket to fly to the moon and eat the cheese, this would be very bad, and the press would care a lot, and and. So, <laughs> But with but with fake activity, what gets attention is what gets Facebook to act, and often it's things that are not bad at all. It's people that look weird that are not actually bad, and Facebook urgently investigates and finds that these are not actually that that harmful. It's pe- sometimes you even have real people who pretend to be Russian trolls, like real Americans pretending to be Russians because they think it's funny to troll their political opponents, which would be funny if it went so sad. And then Facebook urgently investigates, and maybe it finds an excuse to take it down, anyways. But 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 the point is that the inf- that the Incentives are misaligned because attention is what gets people to gets Facebook to act, gets any company to act in, in most cases. And if you are a spy and you are getting attention, you are a very incompetent spy. Unless your name is James Bond or something like I never understand how James Bond is supposed to be a great spy. You referenced information asymmetry, right? Yes. When you were brought into Facebook, was that your task? to identify that information and and remove it? So this is a question I'm going to try to break down. First, information asymmetry. By information asymmetry, I mean that Facebook has information about how bad things are and people inside the company, outside the company do not. For for the same... and, and, and that's what I mean by information asymmetry. Secondly, what was my role within Facebook? Secondly, what was my role within Facebook? And going back to the first part, I think that's really the crux of the issue. Because like, imagine a world in which cigarettes still give people cancer, but only the cigarette companies know that. No one else knows it, and no one else has any hope of finding it out. And because of that, the governments can't step in to regulate. 
And, and people are talking about cigarettes and how to make them better, but because they do not understand this crucial point, they're talking about the wrong things. They're talking about things like cigarette e- equality. Why, why is it fair that only rich people have access to cigarettes? We should give, we should subsidize it so that poor people can enjoy cigarettes too or something ridiculous like that. And because in that situation, I think it would be very important for people within the cigarette company to come forward and tell the world what they know. And that's precisely what I'm trying to do right now. But but going forward from that point, what my actual job is was and what I was hired to do and what I did. So, so, so at Facebook, you aren't hired into specific teams. You, usually, you you get you go you go through training, and then there's a team selection process. But skipping that part, this team that I joined was called the Fake Engagement Team. The team, the name changed over time. This was the name for most of the, my time there and when I joined. So I'm using that. And by fake engagement, by by fake, I mean inauthentic, for instance, fake accounts. They can be compromised hacked accounts. For instance, you're a real person. You have an account on Facebook. Someone hacks into it and takes it over. It used to be your real account. Now it is no longer. That's called a hacked or compromised account. There's even something called self-compromised accounts in which people willingly persuade people, others to hand over their credentials to do nefarious things with those accounts. This may seem like a small edge case and a ridiculous example, but it's actually the main pathway. And so that's what I mean by fake. By engagement, I mean likes, comments, shares, f- friend, friends, f- f- fans, anything that can be counted and tallied really. And so anyways, when I say this, most people, their minds immediately go to political fake activity. Their minds go to Russia 2016. Their minds go to foreign trolls and etc. But most people are not politicians. And most discussions on social media are not po- about politics. And so when it comes to fake engagement, the vast, vast majority of it was not political stuff. It was people like you and me who would go on social media and make a post and see, okay, my post got two likes. That's great, I guess. And they, then I go through, look, look through my newsfeed. My friend has made a post. It got 20 likes. Why is my friend 10 times better than me? Why do people like my friend and not me? What's wrong with me? I can see my post. I can see my friend's post. What's wrong? I'm great. Why don't people recognize this? I know how to fix this. I'll go on Google. I'll search get Facebook likes. This will clearly solve my problem for me. Because the vast, curse, the vast promise of social media, of course, is that you have an audience of the entire world. And the vast curse of social media is that most people do not get that audience. And the way the newsfeed is set up, you see what's popular, which means that for most, most people, they see things that are more popular than themselves, which must have rather negative imp- impacts on their psyche. I mean, it's the same way that when you go read the newspaper, you read about people who are more important than yourself. But I mean, for the newspaper, you don't expect to see yourself in it. And for the face, um, for Facebook, you think of that as your friends and etc. But you see, but you naturally see the most popular of your friends and you don't see the friend posts that got zero likes and you think, I must be really unpopular, what's wrong with me? And so most of the activity was what I, was motivated by things like this, like vanity. There was also things like small businesses, people, people like maybe, maybe people who were doing spammy activity, like 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 selling their miracle air purifiers that would definitely keep your air COVID free, or maybe selling these magical pills that make you younger, don't take too many, or you're turning into a baby, or maybe maybe I, I, these are some totally real Ray-Bans, only ten dollars each, get them while they last. It's it's etc. That's what I mean by spice. By like spammy slash scammy things that are trying to make money, 
I'm sure most people are familiar with that sort of thing. And so this was not a polit- and so this was not a political team. This was not a team that was focused on something high status or very important. It was a team focused on the numbers and aggregate it at large volumes and scales. So, so, so I'm so I'm going to use analogies here. Like, ima- like imagine a local imagine a local police uh, village police office in Idaho. Sorry, Idaho, and compare that to the F- and compare that to the FBI. I mean, to the average person, these might be similar. But if you ask the, 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 the tell, tell that to the FBI agent, they might get offended at you because they are different in terms of status, organization, training, sophistication, etc. And so, if you get a local vintage police person who focuses on vintage, vintage burglaries and vintage, and maybe shoplifting and purse snatching and pickpocketing, and then you have an FBI division that that focuses on 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 highly organized armed bank robberies, you can see why where these are sort of similar and and, and how they might have similar purviews, but they're also very different in terms of sophistication and scale. And so in this analogy, the, the local vintage policewoman, that would be myself, was, was focused on purse snatchings and shoplifting and pickpocketing. And in her spare time, because her remit was, was stealing things, she also, fought, she, also caught, she also caught several organized armed bank robberies and sent them on to the FBI in this analogy. And, 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 and that had rather interesting political consequences because on one hand, the FBI is, is so grateful for this. There's someone else doing extra work for them. On the other hand, they may be a bit offended or annoyed. Like they're getting strung up by this local, this local Keystone cop. Like they've been, they've been embarrassed. They're FBI. They should know better than this. They shouldn't need her help. Who, uh, besides, she's making all this extra work for them. And, and meanwhile, the local village police are like, why are you spending all your time doing this rather than focusing on the village where you belong? And I'm trying to use analogies to illustrate this because I think they might be more understandable to people. That makes sense. I was going to ask the question. So your, your specific role was, was specifically had boundaries around what you were supposed to be looking at, to your point, right? And you went outside of those boundaries and captured behavior or things that, that you weren't necessarily supposed to be focused on. And you were reporting those things back up to call it the higher level team, right? Just for lack of a better term. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's essentially, like I think most areas, they have official definitions that are much broader than their in-practice definitions. And so my official definition was of fake engagement, which was very broad. And my in-practice definition was focused on large volumes, uh, large volumes of of a of mostly a political fake engagement that was that was not sophisticated and done very stupidly, and. And essentially, and essentially, everything you have read about me in the media, everything that's been reported on those, that was work I was done that that was that I had been doing in my spare time. That was in my official broadly defined purview, but not within what my manager and leadership told me to focus on. It would be like a local village policewoman whose official remit is is all crime involving stealing things, and in practice, she's told. Look at things in the village. Look at shoplifting and pickpocketing and etc. And then she goes spends her spare time working working on armed bank robberies. And this is technically in her remit, but it's not what she was told to do, and it's not what she was expected to do. 
like it was essentially trying to do two jobs in my, at, at the same time, which at first they were happy about because they were getting all this extra work for free. Eventually, my, my team started, got more and more annoyed, I think, that this was distracting me from what they thought of as my actual job. And, and, and there was more and more conflict over time as a result. Did they know what you were doing on the side? Oh, absolutely! I told, like, I told my manager. I, I told everyone. Like, it, it was not. It was not a secret. I, I told. I told my manager. I told my manager. I told my manager's manager. I told, like, I talked to. I talked to a lot of teams trying to get their attention. I talked to everyone up to and including the company vice president, Guy Rosen, which I want to highlight how unusual that is because I was extremely low level. I was literally one level above a new hire straight out of college. This would be like, in, in another analogy, it would be like an army sergeant going up and briefing a general or something unsolicited. It would never happen. Because, and if it ever did, it would be extremely unusual. And and this and I think this illustrates that face because Facebook is not a very hierarchical company. Do you feel like they genuinely understood the importance of the situation, or was it more damage control and you know preventing negative exposure? I can't read people's minds. I am very bad at reading people, and. People certainly to my face sounded like it was important, and they do not think that they were especially concerned about me exposing them, as you put it, because if because if 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 nothing if nothing else, they could easily have ordered me to stop, which they eventually did. But but they did not order me to stop for several years for 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 the first year year and a half while I was doing this. Gotcha. And just to clarify, this occurred within the 2018-2019 timeframe, correct? I joined Facebook in I joined Facebook in January 2018. I started looking into this in my spare time in the summer of 2018. I was ordered to officially to stop at the at in December 2019 or January 2020. One of those. It was around the it was around when the half was ending and they were giving feedback. I was officially fired in I was officially fired in September of 2020. Understood. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I. I you know, just, just again, full disclosure from my side, I could talk about this stuff all day. Um, this, this is all really, really interesting to me. Um, so, you know, just understanding the timeline, what we just talked about. So essentially, you know, it took them around a year, it sounded like, for them to tell you to stop doing this in your free time, right? A year and a half. A year and a half. Okay. So in that year and a half, I mean, I've read the article. So you, you went through quite a number of, of I, I don't even know if I want to call them large scale, but the way I'd like to describe them is less important, um, you know, less, less prioritized uh, inauthentic activity, right? From, from governments, like you mentioned Honduras and a, a couple others. Yes, Honduras and Azerbaijan in particular, which I do not think are, are countries that anyone would name if you ask them what are the most important countries to focus on. I'm sorry to the people of Honduras and Azerbaijan for saying that. Right. It's no, off- no offense to them at all. It's just in, you know, in the Facebook pecking order of, uh, of what they're looking at, that, that seems to be low on their, low on their list. So I think that was, you know, the main point that you were trying to highlight is, yes, this stuff still does exist. Yes, we are investigating these things, 
but uh, we 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 care more about the ones that you know the world cares more about. Yeah, and it, and, and there was a combination of factors too, because I think it's important for me to highlight that most of the that most of the things Facebook investigates and eventually takes down reports many this may have this may have changed since I left the company a, a year ago I can't read through minds and see what's happened since but but at, during the time I was there most most investigations and reports and etc they happened in in response to outside reports by NGOs by reporters by opposition groups by by governmental agencies the FBI says that's looking into this and all Opposition group says, "Hey, people are attacking us. This is really weird." And news agency says, "There's something really weird going on in this country." And when there's an outside group, that that, that that's something that that means that there's someone outside the company, essentially, who can hold the company responsible, who can hold the company's feet to the fire. And because when Facebook says, "Well, we're not sure this is a priority," that that outside people can go back to them and say, "Well." If you don't think it is, we're going to go to the New York Times tomorrow and say that you don't think our country is important. Actual example that I encountered. And then suddenly Facebook will be like, this is an emergency. We have to act now because, I mean, this is how companies respond. And this is how, I mean, this is, I mean, and if, to the extent that Facebook cares, it's because of PR and they need to sleep at the end of the night, of course. And I'm not going to say which one is more important, but I think, you, but I'm sure you can make your own assessments. And and the difference is that what I was doing essentially was that I was going out on my own proactively without looking at any leads, without looking at any information. Like there were a lot of times where I had to look up, up Google Translate to figure out that because I certainly don't speak Spanish. I certainly don't speak Azari. Uh, the only thing I know how to say in Spanish these days is a story accuracy and el gato, which means I'm petting my cat. And I'm sorry to the bad accent when in Spanish speakers. <laughs> That's not bad. Like I had to look up, I had to look up on Wikipedia who Juan Juan Hernandez was, and be like, oh, he's the president of Honduras. I guess he's important. Like my proxy for whether someone was important was, do they have a Wikipedia article? <laughs> and right. Yeah, and like I know metadata has a bad reputation these days, but essentially what I was go- doing was going through all met- all, de- all activity on Facebook, looking at the metadata to draw to draw to draw look at things that were suspicious and and filtering that for very suspicious political activity and that want very good results. And I I'm certainly not a genius. I'm certainly don't have any spe- never had any special training in this. Um, I, the reason that they found so many things, I think, was a statement on how much low-hanging fruit there was, both on t- in the sense that the Facebook, Facebook as the company hadn't bothered to go out and look for it before, and also a statement of just how silly and stupid and incompetent many certain world governments felt comfortable being. Because I'm certainly not a super genius. I never had any training. I never had any special information. I did never had any special training or expertise. And I fondly still, because and the reason for the, and and the reason for that is just I think that no one else had gone out and looked for it before. Like in our line of business, you want to be you want to be careful. You don't want to falsely accuse the wrong person. But but the and so the people I caught were those who were essentially doing the opposite of trying to be careful. It was like catching catching criminals who are decided to sign their name in the blood of the victim with their own fingerprints. It's like they were. It, it, it was very blatant occurrences. 
it's very blatant with regard to Facebook. They were not trying to hide with regard to internal information within Facebook. It was so obvious. Outside the company, it would have been very, it would be have been almost impossible, probably impossible for anyone outside the company to figure that out. I do want to, yeah. Understood. Without without having the tools and the visibility that you had internally, it would be really difficult to decipher. Yes, um, essentially impossible. Like I know metadata has a bad reputation in the modern day and age, but you can't but you can't distinguish a real person from a fake account without access to some data. Understood. Nah. I, I just want to kind of go back a little bit and, and highlight the fact that, you know, one of the things that you, you had mentioned that I think is really important is the context of, uh, of you not having any special training and you not, you know, not actually investigating these things, but being able to pick up on them so easily based on just how elementary the methodology of, of what they were doing was, I think, right? So I think you had mentioned that. And then on top of that, I, I think context is, is super important here, right? So as you mentioned, you know, you were looking things up in Google Translate. And that doesn't really bode well for understanding the, the local political context of what's going on there, right? Not even speaking the language or understanding the country. So the fact that you were able to pick these things up and they hadn't been before tells me at a very, very base level, Facebook isn't looking for these things unless it's costing them money. I mean, is that, is that an accurate statement to make? I think that's a reasonable statement to make to some regard. I don't know what's changed at Facebook since it, I, I left. I certainly can't read minds. And I don't think that's too, that's too different from most companies because, I mean, this is how capitalism works. Like Facebook is a company. The goal is to make money. And if your solution is we need to use this, replace capitalism with something else, well, a lot of people have tried that and it seems a bit hard and often doesn't go very well. But and, like, and I think, and I think, like, like it's we cannot reasonably expect Facebook to fix things out of the goodness of its heart any more than we can expect ExxonMobil to 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 capture and store its or its carbon for 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 free any more than we can expect Philip Morris to spend its resources to develop a cancer-free cigarette. And I think it's important to be realistic, and and with re, and. And, I, and with regard to using Google Translate, I do want to re- reiterate, I said it at the very beginning, like I was looking at inauthentic activity and fake activity. And for that, you do not need to know anything about the content you're interested in. Is this account fake? You're not interested in what are they saying? And to the extent you are interested in what are they saying, it's only to understand what they're doing, if that makes sense. It does. It does. So you don't necessarily need um, you know, all the political context, you just, you just need context of, of what they're attempting to do with all these accounts. I understand. Yes. The political context is important to understanding what they, what, what they're trying to do. But I mean, just finding that they're fake and they're run by the government that did not require any of this. If anything, sometimes I was a bit relieved that I knew nothing about the political context because that meant I was very certain that I was not being biased or such. Right. You were far enough removed that you didn't have an already internal bias for, for that political action. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I was certain this had nothing to do with my own personal beliefs because I frankly did not have one about the Honduran president until I started reading up on it. Like, in, like for, and once I started reading up on it, it was frankly quite troubling. Like, Andi, the Honduran president was reelected in a heavily disputed and widely accused to be fraudulent election in, 20, in 2017. 
in 2019, they were, they were, they were recurring mass protests against, the, against what was believed to be a fraudulent elections. By 2019, he sent his soldiers onto the, out onto the streets to shoot civilian protesters after the police went on strike and refused to do so. This year, his brother was sentenced to life in jail by American court f- for, for helping him smuggle drugs to bribe his way to presidential victory. Like when Facebook announces its takedowns, the goal is to embarrass the is 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 to embarrass the perpetrators to to tell them not to do them it again. But this is a man that is incapable of embarrassment. I was going to say that doesn't apply much in, in today's political landscape. Unfortunately, I don't I don't think many people care about being contradicted or you know facts. Honestly, these days, yeah. <laughs> well, because you can deflect it, right? I mean, yeah. Anything negative that gets posted about you online by a third party, especially in social media, you know, it's easy to divert that focus and say it's fake news. Right. They just lie. Uh, It's essentially that easy these days, right? I I was going to ask you an additional question, just kind of digging into that topic, um, Sophie. So, you know, if it's, if it's um, relatively accurate to say, you know, they're prioritizing based on, like you said, PR or money, whatever the factor is behind the scenes that gets them to investigate these things, influence, uh, popularity, whatever that factor is, right? Um, My question for you specifically would be when, when you got, um, you know, call it reprimanded internally at Facebook to say, hey, don't do this stuff in your free time anymore. What was the justification other than it's not part of your role. The justification was that I was spending too much time on this with regards as opposed to my actual as opposed to my actual responsibilities, which I mean I understand from an organizational perspective. Like I was trying to do both at the same time at the start, but there are limits to how long you can work a 70-80 hour work week sustainably. And like basically everything in my personal life got the axe from the very start. Like and like, I was I was I was additionally I was additionally told by by my manager like like the argument that they used internally was 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 always that we should care about this because it's so obvious that sooner or later it will get public attention even if it isn't right now and Facebook does have a lot of leaks and if it ever got out that Facebook had known about this and sat on it for a year it would be absolutely awful for the company they would get killed in the press that was the argument I always used and it was not very successful but it became a self-fulfilling prophecy because I was the one who leaked it I suppose <laughs> And so, and and so when I and so when I told when I told and so when I and so in the conversation when I was ordered to stop when I used that argue when I used that argument again, I was told specifically that that, that I that I was told specifically that I should shouldn't that they shouldn't be fixing problems before they came up for the company that that I should be letting things blow up and become the PR fire because otherwise the because other because other because other otherwise I would. Uh, other, because otherwise people wouldn't otherwise like I, sh- I shouldn't be fixing problems before it's before they became a problem essentially which I, i'm sure he meant it out of an out of a sense of you should you, you, you shouldn't be doing all this work in the spare time and out of for my own concern but i found that very telling about the company's priorities i i agree and that's exactly why i wanted to highlight that question is you know to me if I was a hiring manager and you were going out on your own and you were doing these things on the side, I would say, that's great. You're taking initiative. Maybe you would want to join that team and actually do those things and take care of those things. But they took the opposite tact. 
and said, hey, you're exposing these things we don't want exposed. Um, go ahead and stop working on that. I don't think, I mean, if they did not precisely say that, I can't read, read mine. So I don't know if people were thinking that. I, Understood. But, but no one specifically said that to me. Rather, it was, this isn't a good use of your time. It, it's, it, we got that you were intentioned, but you should be letting scenes blow up into PR fires because that's the only way to, to convince the company to put more resources into it. Can you talk a bit about you know, what transpired between the time that you initially reported this to Facebook until the time that you were fired and offered a $64,000 severance package. And do you feel in any way that was aimed to keep you quiet? I'm pretty sure the severance package was very standard for that they gave to all employees. I do not think it was targeted with special for myself. I, I, I mean, I, I think that I think quite frankly that they probably give it to everyone. If they were worried about keeping me quiet, they would have locked out my access a long time earlier. Quite frankly, um, but but I can't I can't read minds. So they can't say what they were thinking. Yeah. In many situations, I think it would be easy to take that money and run, right? Tell me about what led to your decision to ultimately reject their offer and move forward with exposing them. Yeah. Yeah, I never, I never, I never considered taking the the severance. It, it, it was very ridiculous for me. But I, like different people, I don't. Different people have different priorities, and they don't want to criticize others. Like many, like many people have families they need to support. Many people have children they need to feed. Maybe they have relatives back home that they need to support and help, and etc. I, I was financially self-sufficient, so and I do not spend very much. I think that Silicon Valley salaries are ridiculous, quite frankly. So, 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 so that wasn't a concern for me. And just with regard to my personal reasons, I've, I've, read, I've written about them. I'll tell them to you again. I don't think, like... I haven't made it, I haven't made it a secret that, for instance, I'm a I'm a I'm a survivor of child abuse when when when, when I was younger. I, I was I was I was 13 years old when my parents became abusive. I locked my I, I, I locked myself in 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 the second story bathroom. I pried out the, I pried out the window screen to consider jumping out the door while he while my father did his best to beat out the door to beat down the door. Eventually, I let him beat me until I was bruised and bloody. Put put the window screen back in. When I went when I when I went to school the next day, none of the teachers asked about the about, about the blood across my ear. When I went to when I went to graduate school when I went to graduate school at Princeton, I was sexually harassed for for, for my entire time there. The administration treated it mostly as a she says he says situation, and in in both in all of these, like there are other examples, but I mean, I, I it's not a foreign ex- experience for me to, to to have essentially slipped through the the the, the fingers of responsibility to, to, to have been set, lost by the wayside, like like people like people authority figures have responsibilities, and there's and in all of the cases they felt the official letter of their responsibilities and failed the spirit. And I think many people have experienced being failed by the system and etc. 
And I think and I think those people can perhaps understand why this was personal for, for me from the start, why I was determined to prevent others from being failed from, by the system themselves. Like, I promised myself a long time ago that if I ever found myself in a position of responsibility, I would do my best to, to not let others be failed in the same way that I was. And like I expected that to be just a throwaway, throwaway promise or such. I never expected this to actually happen or for this to be so hard. Like I wasn't, I wasn't shy. Like I wasn't shy about saying any of this. Like it, like I talked about. I, I told, I told all those in more details to my manager, to my manager's manager, and like I told the vice president that I was losing sleep at night because of it. I'm not sure why they thought they would fire me and they would just go away or something. <laughs> maybe, maybe they thought that I was just bloviating or something. And there's also another element to it that I do want to speak about, and like, like it's not that it's not directly mentioned that much, but it's sort of a, it's it's sort of an unpleasant, unpleasant, unmentioned, unmentioned truth to most people that they don't directly say it, but people, but people in different parts of the world are are, are treated differently than others. Like if a hundred people died in that died in Bangladesh tomorrow, it would be treated much less seriously than if ten people died in Florida. The American people decided to to stop fighting in Afghanistan to leave Afghanistan to the Taliban. No one would ever consider leaving Florida to the Taliban. And like this is the way that the world works. People people prioritize those that are closer to them. Even if they don't directly say it, no one goes out and says that an Afghan an Afghani is worth the the equivalent of point zero five Americans, even if you can tell that from their actions. And I mean, and people do. Unfortunately, people prioritize others differently based on their status and situation. Like I think, what makes me so unique is not just that I've come forward from Facebook, but that I've come forward about countries that I've never been to, that I have no relationship to about. Like usually, it's Americans coming forward about not liking what Facebook does in American politics. Indians coming forward about what they don't like about Facebook doing in Indian politics. Like. Like I, I accept and acknowledge the way that the world is right now. This is the world we live in, but it's also the case that the world changes over time. My, my, my girlfriend is my girl. My girlfriend is white. Like ten, ten, ten years ago, our relationship wouldn't be accepted just because she was my girlfriend. I live in California. A hundred years ago, it would have been illegal for our relationship just because we're interracial. Like like a uh, hundred seventy years ago, slavery was commonplace in the Mar- in, in in the United States. People took it for granted, and it's the nature of every generation to look back at the forefathers and shake their head at at, at how abominable and terrible they could be. And it's and it's my personal belief that in hundreds of years from now, when people go back and look on, back on our present generation, where they will find the most disgusting and ridiculous is the way that people are treated differently based on the census arbitrarily as lines drawn on a map when they were born. That's what I was going to ask you. So the, um, in the overall summarization of what you're saying is, is just equality, right? I mean, across the board, it's just equal treatment, regardless of where you're from, who you are, what you're doing, um, and, and equal treatment in the press, equal treatment on social media. I mean, all of those things, I think, is, is what, you're, what you're getting at here, right? Yeah, I'm ultimately an idealist. I know that's not how the world works, but but that's how I believe the world should be. Agreed. Yeah. 
know, I, I, I definitely can see that. And from an activist standpoint, if you want to call it activism, um, it's only activism because it's not normal right now. Um, it wouldn't be activism mm -hmm. if it was normal, it, you know, um, but I, I feel exactly the same way. Um, you know, these things should be treated equally across the board, whether it's a country of, you know, 500 people or whether it's, you know, the most powerful nation in, in the world. But unfortunately, to your point, that's that's not the way it works today. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it is reasonable that a country of 500 people would be treated less than a country of 300 million just because of the disparity in people. Right. Yeah. From an, I was going to say from an enforcement standpoint with policy. Uh, that's more of what I was getting at with that. Not not that they would be, you know, not that they would be as influential as, or the disparity would be, you know, equal, but they would be treated from a policy perspective the same way uh, across the board. Yep. Yeah, certainly. But I do think that, for instance, Honduras is roughly as important as Iowa, which has roughly the same population, I think, even if the American people don't agree with me on that. Right. So you're drawing parallels between population, yeah, population counts of, of countries versus, yeah, individual places and, and. Yeah. Like people, like I think individual people are equal, not right. individual quantities. Otherwise, you could, otherwise you could declare yourself a nation and suddenly be as important as the United States or whatever. Like every person in Wyoming is, is as important as every person in California, but it doesn't follow that Wyoming is as important as California. Right. Understood. Yep. Anyways, I'm an idealist, and this is, these are my beliefs. So. Understood. No, that's we we wanted to understand the motivation of you know the why um, about you know the way things tran transgressed, and then and then why they you know why they went that way. Um, and I think I think you know the motivation behind that mm -hmm. is what we we're looking for. So definitely appreciate that context. Yeah, absolutely. Barco patrons. If you like this episode and would like to support the podcast, rate us on Apple Podcasts and visit our Patreon site, patreon.com slash barcode podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, check out the barcodepodcast.com slash sponsor. Cheers. Unfortunately, it's time to shut the bar down for this episode. Thanks for stopping in. See you next time. We'll save you a seat. Be sure to check us out at thebarcodepodcast.com.